Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. In John chapter 13 and verse number 34, it's going to be on the screen there for you. Why don't we read it aloud together? Everybody on the count of three. One, two, three. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How many would say that love one another was a big deal for Jesus? I mean, right there in that passage. It's two verses. He says it three times. This is my command. This is the reason that I came to this earth, that you would learn to love one another. And this is what we're about here at LifeGate Church, that every single person that walks into those doors, that we would love them the way that Jesus has loved us. That no matter how big the church gets that when we build a new building and when we have five services on Easter and and God uses us to reach people like I know he wants to do, that no matter how big it gets, that we would love individuals just the way that Jesus has loved us. Jesus says, love one another. This is the command that I give to you. And then he says something very interesting. He says, this is how I want you to love one another. I want you to love them as I have loved you. And that's what this series is all about. How has Jesus loved us and how are we called to love others? And I did a little studying on how does Jesus love us? And to be honest, man, I could do a two year series on how Jesus has loved us. We don't have two years. We got four weeks. So I broke it down into four that I thought were important for us to hear about how Jesus loved us. We talked last week about the first one that his love is a patient love. So everybody say patient love, patient love and how Jesus was so patient with Peter and all of his faults and failures and all the stuff that he did. But Jesus was just there to love him patiently. Today, we're going to talk about a different aspect of Jesus love. And I'll be honest, like a lot has really been said about how Jesus showed his love to us. I mean, you think about it. He demonstrated his love for us and while we were sinners. He went to the cross. And at Easter time, we talk about that a lot. We're going to talk about that later in this series. And a lot is, is said about how he showed his love. But today, I want to look at it a little bit different. Like, Jesus didn't just show us his love. He actually spoke his love to us. He loved us. With his words. He loved the disciples with his words. Now let's think about it for a second. How many would agree with me that words are a big deal? Words are powerful, right? In fact, I'm going to say a little, a little, a little saying and I'm going to start it and then I want you to finish it for me. It goes like this. Sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many ever heard that before? How many know that is the dumbest thing that has ever been said? Because the truth is words hurt, don't they? In fact, let's do a little survey here and everybody help me out. How many of you have ever had words spoken to you or about you that were hurtful or that caused some problems in your life? Come on, raise your hand. Look around. That's every single hand raised. All right, put them down. How many of you now, I've got to be honest, how many of you have ever spoken words that were hurtful or that caused problems in your life? Come on, look around. Now put them down. How many of you are still affected by words that have been spoken on you or about you or to you at some point in your life? Raise your hand. Come on. Words are powerful, guys. 
The Bible says it like this in Proverbs, that the life and death are in the power of the tongue, that our words have the power to bring life or to bring death. And to set this up, the power of our words, I just, I just thought about three things about the life and death power of our words. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. The first one is this, is that words have the power of life or death spiritually. Isn't it true? I mean, think about it. Like our words actually have eternal implications. The things we say today, the words that I am speaking in this message today actually have the power to determine someone's eternity. I mean, spiritually today, at the end of this message, as I preach God's word and I give opportunity at the end of the message, you're going to have a chance to make a decision that can determine what your eternity is going to be like, heaven or hell. And that's all through the words that I'm speaking today. That's how powerful our words are. Jesus said that this was the power of our words, that by our words, we would either be acquitted or condemned. Man, that's powerful. But there's the spiritual implication, life or death to our words. Number two, write this one down. It's not just spiritually, but life or death, even physically from our words. Now, some of you say, well, isn't that like a stretch, pastor? But you know what? I don't think it's a stretch to say that our words lead to actions and those actions can actually lead to either life or death. I mean, you think about the power of words. You think about a judge or a jury who by their words have the power to either sentence someone to death or set someone free to life. You think about the power of a, of a doctor who could, by his words, determine the kind of treatment, surgery or no surgery, that could actually either determine someone's life or death physically. You think about a counselor in a session with someone who is suicidal and the words of hope that they could give that could actually physically give life to that person. That's the power of our words. Not just spiritually, not just physically, but number three, even emotionally. Like most of the time, this is where it happens the most, is that words that are spoken to us. Come on, you ever been there before where you're having a good day and things are good and you're in a good mood and then someone says something and it might even be inadvertently. They didn't even mean to say it, but it just sets the mood. Come on, right? It changes the, the whole dynamic of, of the emotion and how you're feeling in that moment. That is the power of our words. And Jesus knew this. And because he knew this and because he loved us, he didn't just love us with his action. He loved us by the words that he spoke in his relationship with the disciples and the people that he came into contact with. He loved them with his words. And I studied a little bit about some of the words, some of the loving words that Jesus spoke. And I just narrowed it down to three. If you're taking notes, the first one is this, is that Jesus loved with words of encouragement. How many of you ever need a little encouragement before? Come on. How many ever had one of them days before where you, I mean, it's just like, I just need somebody to tell me something's going to be okay. Come on. You ever had one of those days where you just, I need someone to lift me up, someone to believe in me, someone to say I'm with you. The scripture says it like this in Proverbs 12 and verse 25, worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. Come on. And Jesus knew this, man. Jesus was, he was so great at encouraging people in their moments of discouragement, of giving words of peace and words of hope. In fact, I think about, I think about Peter. We talked about him a lot last week and how, you know, Peter needed actually a lot of words of correction, you know. He would mess it up a lot. And yet, Jesus would also give him words of encouragement. 
I was thinking about this one story in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus has the disciples gathered around. He's doing a little teaching and he asks them, he says, he says, hey guys, who do people say that I am? And people, and the disciples start to say, well, you know, some people say that you're Elijah and some people say that you're John the Baptist and some people say Jeremiah or that you're a great prophet. And Jesus says, well, that's good, but who do you say I am? And Peter spoke up and man, I'm telling you, he said something that had not been revealed to anyone else. He says, this is who I say that you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, cool stuff, right? And Jesus looks at Peter and look what he says in Matthew. 16 verse 17 to Peter. He says, and blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, uh, of Jonah, for you, this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Jesus looked at Peter and goes, Peter, you got it. Good job, man. Gold star, buddy. Come on, you did it. You know something that nobody else knows. And this wasn't revealed to you by man. This was given to you by God. This revelation that you just had of me being the son of God, it's on that revelation that I'm going to build my church. That's the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And can you imagine how Peter must have felt in that moment? And Jesus said, I did good. Come on, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? You ever been there before where someone that you really admire or respect says something like that to you? How do you feel? Like, I've been there before. One of my heroes in ministry is a guy named Scott Wilson. And I've, I've, man, I've been looking up to him since my days in college. And he's been a coach and a mentor to me at one time uh, in our ministry. Like, I, I actually paid him to be my coach. And, and he would say, hey, come to our church. Yeah, it's a great church over in Red Oak. And he would say, come over on, during staff meeting and just hang out. And so I'd go to staff meeting and I'd just kind of observe. And he had always said, you know, if you ever want to say something, say something. And so one time I remember a few years ago, I was in the staff meeting over there. And they were talking in the staff about some direction they were taking the church and this big thing that they were going to launch and they were going to do a new sermon series, but they were having a hard time like figuring out what to call it and how to brand it and how to all that kind of stuff. And I mean, for about 35, 40 minutes, they knocked around ideas and Scott didn't like any of them. And all of a sudden I was like, man, I got an idea. So I spoke up and said, this is what you ought to call it. And Scott goes, that's it. You know how you, if you ever know him, he's like, that's it. And then he looks at the rest of the staff and he goes, oh, y'all, I pay you and you can't get it. And here comes this guy and he's got it, you know. And how do you think I felt? Like, that's right. I got it. Come on. I felt like a pretty big deal, right? And that's the power of encouraging words. This is what Jesus did to Peter in front of everyone else. He says, Peter, you got it. I believe in you. Man, you're awesome. And these are the kind of loving words that Jesus spoke. Words of encouragement. Number two, look at the second kind of words that Jesus spoke in love. Words of wisdom. In fact, this is what Jesus was known for. Like Jesus spoke some of the wisest words that have ever been spoken. The Bible says in John 7 and verse 46 that the words that he says are greater than the words of any other person who has ever spoken. I mean, this is what Jesus did everywhere he went. He just dropped wisdom bombs, you know? I mean, he just... And why did he do this? Because he loves us. Why did he speak these things? Because he loved the disciples. He loved the people that, that he was in contact with. And he didn't want to see them ruin their life. And he knew God had a better way. And so he would speak the words of God, words of wisdom out of love that could bring about life change to everyone who listened. 
Words that we're still using today that are still making an impact. I mean, I just studied some of the wisdom words that Jesus, that Jesus spoke. He spoke wisdom about our priorities. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you as well. He spoke wisdom about our relationships. He said, hey, do to others as, they would, as you would have them do to you. He said, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Like he spoke wisdom about, about prayer. He said, ask and it'll be given to you and seek and you'll find and knock and the doors will be open. He spoke wisdom about life. He said, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear because your life is so much more than food and, and clothes and, and over and over and over because he loved the people and because he loved us, he gave us his word, words of wisdom spoken in love. And how many know words of wisdom spoken in love have the power to change a life? Jesus loved us with his words. How did he do it? He gave us words of encouragement. He gave the disciples words of wisdom. Number three, write this one down. He spoke with words of correction. Now here's where we don't, we, it kind of takes a turn. I don't like this one. You know what I'm saying? Like words of wisdom, words of encouragement. Come on, that's making me feel good. But Jesus loved us enough. He loved the disciples enough. He loved the people he came into contact with enough that when he spoke... Many times he would speak things that maybe people didn't want to hear, but it was what they needed. And he loved them enough to tell them. In fact, I would argue that Jesus' most loving words were his words of correction and rebuke. That even though they were not always easy to hear, they were always true and they were always loving. In fact, John described Jesus like this, that he would come full of grace and truth. And here's the deal. Most of us want the grace side of Jesus, but don't really like the truth side of Jesus. But Jesus loves us enough that he will speak truth into our life even when it's difficult to hear. You saw this with the disciples. I mean, I think about the one story with the disciples in the, in the book of Luke chapter 8, verse 22. The disciples are in the boat and the, and the wind and the waves start to blow and Jesus is in the back of the boat asleep and the disciples are freaking out. So finally someone's like, go wake up Jesus and Jesus gets up and this is how powerful his words were. I mean, he gets up and he speaks to the storm, peace be still, and suddenly the storm stops. That's a cool story if it ends there. But then he looks at the disciples and goes, what's wrong with you guys? Why were you so afraid? Where is your faith? He rebuked them. Ever had Jesus rebuke you before? <laughs> right? you, don't, you don't like to hear it. But you know what? A lot of times it's that gentle, loving rebuke that gets you back on track when you've gotten off track. This is how he loved us. He loved us with words of correction. Man, I think about Mary and Martha. You, you might remember that story. Martha's, Jesus coming over to her house. And so she's freaking out, trying to get everything ready and make sure it's perfect for when he gets there. And, and she's doing the dishes and she's cleaning the kitchen. And she's making the meal and all that kind of stuff. And Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus, just worshiping. Oh, this is so nice. And Martha looks over there and goes, what's wrong with my sister? Like I'm in here slaving in the kitchen. Jesus, tell her to come in here and help me. We'd have probably all done that. And what does Jesus say in Luke 10 and verse 38? Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Don't you notice that sometimes whenever Jesus is going to rebuke you, he says your name twice. <laughs> Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about all this stuff. And few of these things are needed. Indeed, only one is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. I mean, Jesus just puts Martha right in her place. Have you ever had Jesus put you in, her, in your place before? I mean, he tells Martha, hey, your priorities are wrong. Yeah. 
Like you're thinking about stuff that don't matter. And you're comparing yourself to someone. And that's messing you up. And he rebukes her and corrects her because he loves her. What about the rich young ruler? You might remember that story. He comes to Jesus. What do I need to do to be saved? Jesus says, go and obey the commandments. Rich young ruler is like kind of prideful. Like, yeah, well, I already do that. Jesus looks at him and he knows what he really needs to hear. So he tells him something that he's, he doesn't tell anybody else this, just this one guy. But he speaks specifically a word of correction that this man needed to hear. He says, go sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. I started thinking about that in the way, isn't that the way Jesus corrects us many times? He'll speak to us directly, right to, right to our life, right to what we need to, not to what somebody else needs to hear. What's amazing is I can be up here preaching and you can hear something totally different than somebody else heard because Jesus is speaking directly to what you need to hear to give you direction and correction for your life because he loves you. And man, sometimes he'll speak that way directly to your heart. Sometimes he'll speak through a parent. Sometimes he'll speak through a spouse. Sometimes he'll speak through a pastor, a leader, a sermon like this. All the time he speaks through the Bible. That's why we ought to be reading it. It's like the one guy said, I don't like reading my Bible because every time I read my Bible, it reads me. (laughs) And what is that? Jesus speaking to your heart. And why does he do it? Because he loves you. He loves you enough to tell you even what you don't want to hear. And here's the deal. What's so powerful about Jesus is that he understood. He didn't just understood the power of correction. He understood the secret of, the, of correction. And here's the secret of correction. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Always connect before you correct. Here's what we want to do sometimes. Tell everybody what they ought to do. And we have no relationship with them. And so we tell them what to do. But they don't want to listen because there's no relationship. But you see in the, in the story of the rich young ruler. Before Jesus told them, go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. The Bible says, it. Right? you can look in your notes. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He had a love in his heart. Before he would correct them, he, he connected with them and showed them his love. And this is what God has called us to do. You see, Jesus, he loved us with his words, words of encouragement, words of wisdom, words of correction, words of comfort, peace and healing. I could go on and on and on and on. But how do we take and love others with our words the way Jesus has loved us? Four things, write them down. First thing is you got to listen up. Everybody say it. Listen up. Here's the deal, guys. Sometimes before we can speak words of life, we just need to close our mouth and listen. This is what James talked about. He said, hey, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Amen. You know what happens a lot of times is that people, you know, we think we've got the word for everybody else. And what we really need is we just need to open our ears. Shut up and listen. And the reason we don't listen sometimes very well is because most of the time whenever someone else is talking, you know what we're doing? We're thinking about what we're going to say when they finally shut up. Come on. Isn't that the way it is? And that's not, that's not listening. You know, we, we can hear, but there's a difference between hearing and listening. You know what the difference between hearing and listening is? Hearing only requires ears. Listening requires mind and heart and spirit and soul. That I'm going to say, you know what? Instead of me thinking about what can I say, words of advice for someone, I'm just going to love someone by being there to listen. Now listen up. Number two, sometimes it's not enough to listen up. Sometimes you got to speak up. Like, if you have a word to speak into someone's life, say it. 
This is what the scripture says in Proverbs 16 and 24. Gracious words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the, bo- for the body. Notice what Solomon says. He says gracious words. He doesn't say gracious thoughts. And here's what we do a lot of times. We think something. Man, I could encourage someone. Or, Man, they're doing a good job. Or We think it, but we don't take that next step to say it. And how many know, as long as it stays up here in our mind and never comes out of our mouth, it doesn't make any difference in the other person's life. But when we see people who are in need and they need someone to love them, we open our ears and we listen. And then as God leads us, we speak those words, words of encouragement. Come on, that's the kind of words we ought to all be speaking to others. Words of life. You know, maybe it means, hey, sometimes we speak a word of wisdom. Maybe it means sometimes, hey, we even speak a word of correction in the right way at the right time. Come on. And it can make a difference. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Proverbs 15, 23. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? How many have ever had that before? Someone said the right thing in the right way at the right time and it made a difference. How do we love with our words? We listen up. We speak up. Number three, write this one down. Sometimes you got to shut up. Everybody just look at your neighbor. Tell them, shut up. No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That wouldn't be very loving with your words, right? But you know what? I mean, here's the deal. Here's what Jesus understood. There's a time to say stuff. And there's a time not to say stuff. There's a time when I even might have the right thing to say, but it's not the right time. In fact, check out this, this verse. I had never seen this before, but in John 16 and 12, look at what it says. Jesus says, I have more things to say to you, but they're too much for you right now. Jesus goes, man, I can tell you all kinds of stuff, but you're not ready for it. And so I'm not going to tell you until you're ready. What kind of difference could that make in our relationships if we knew Hey, I might have the right thing to say, but it's not the right time to say it. What kind of difference could that make in your marriage? What kind of difference could that make with your children? Especially if you have teenagers. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know the right thing, but you're not ready to hear it right now. And if I say it right now, it's going to make it worse than making it better. Come on. And we got to know there are times when I need to speak up. And then there are times when it's, it might be the right thing, but it's not the right time. And so I'm going to be quiet. It might be the right thing in the right time, but I said it in the wrong way. Come on. So I'm going to be quiet. Come on. I'm going to know that, hey, I'm going to learn that sometimes I say stuff, sometimes I don't. And I love, I love people either way when it's the right thing at the right time. I'm going to listen up. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to shut up. Number four. And this is the most important. Here's how we love with our words when we lift up. Amen. Best way to love people, I'll tell you this, with your words is to pray for them. Sometimes I think, I'm going to give them all this advice. I'm going to change their life. Give me two seconds with them. I'll change their life with my wisdom. You know what? Guess what? Your words, without the power of God, you know what they are? Just words. They might be wise and they might be good. They might. But guess what? They ain't going to change nobody's life. Because the only thing that has the power to change a life is the spirit of God. Guess what? I'm telling you, in my life, when I get up here to preach... Man, I'm telling you, I, get, I work hard to get these sermons ready and put them and make them where, where they're engaging for you. But guess what? They're just words if the power of God's not flowing through them. Yeah. And so you know what I do? I, mean, I spend time preparing the message. But you know what a big part of the preparation is? is prayer. Yeah. Praying for you. Praying that God would speak to you directly where you are and what you need to hear. And I'm telling you, one of the best ways you can love your spouse is decide, I'm going to pray for them every day. 
One of the best ways you can, you can love your kids with your words is sometimes, you, hey, I ain't going to say nothing. I'm just going to pray for them and I'm going to let God do the saying to them. Come on, I'm going to let God start to speak to their heart. And this is what we're challenging everyone to do. This is, this is the whole love one challenge is to decide, man, I'm going to find some people in my life that God puts on my life and I'm going to pray for them consistently that God would begin the work. In fact, we challenged you last week in your worship guide. You should have got one today as well. The Love One Challenge. And on the Love One Challenge, it tells you a little bit about the friend contest that we're doing and the new series coming up and all of that. And all that's good and all that's important. But really what's most important is that you say, hey, who's the one person in my life that I could put their name in that little blank? And I could say between now and Easter, I'm going to pray for them as often as I can remember. I'm going to take this slip of paper, I'm going to put it on my refrigerator, I'm going to put it on my nightstand, or on my mirror, or on the dash of my car, somewhere where I can see it on a regular basis, and every time I see it, I'm going to pray for that person. Maybe you know someone who is not where they need to be with the Lord. Maybe you know someone who at one time was in church, but they're out of church, not doing good. You say, I'm going to pray for them. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's, hey, maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's parents. Maybe it's your children that are away from the Lord. Maybe it's Maybe it's an aunt or an uncle or a neighbor or a co-worker. And you would say, you know what? The greatest way that I can share the love of Jesus with my words is by making a decision that I'm going to pray consistently for those people that I love. 